Hey there, I'm Linda McHenry, host of Taking the Mystery Out of Insurance. Thanks for joining me. Today is Tuesday, October 20th, 2020, and this is episode number 20, What is Pet Insurance? If you'd like more information about who I am, what I do, my books, YouTube channels, and podcasts, visit my website at lindamchenry.com. You might also want to check out my book, Taking the Mystery Out of Business, which was released in May and discusses what I view as the nine fundamentals for professional success. You can find it on Amazon in paperback and as an ebook. And in the upcoming months, I will also have two new mysteries out, so you'll be able to learn more about them if you check out my website. Now let's talk about pet insurance. Before I talk about what it is though, I want to share with you some details about how many people here in our country actually have pets. According to the American Pet Products Association, APPA, they have a national pet owner survey. And according to the most recent survey, more than two thirds of US families own a pet. A little more than 63 million households own a dog. Almost 43 million own a cat. 11 and a half million households own freshwater fish. Almost 6 million households own birds. And 5.4 million own a small animal. In addition to that, about another eight or nine million people own a combination of reptiles, a horse, or saltwater fish. Because so many people own pets, and because life expectancies are longer, the amount of money they spend on their pets is exorbitant. For example, the average amount spent in recent years for pet foods and treats is over $30 billion. Last year, it was $36.9 billion. Another $19 billion is spent on supplies, live animals, and over-the-counter medications. About $29 billion is spent for vet care and product sales. And another $10 billion spent for basically all kinds of other care other than vet care. So that would include boarding, grooming, insurance, training, and pet sitting and pet walking. So that's why it's so popular because so many people own pets and the costs of pet ownership is huge. We see life expectancy in pets being extended the same way we do with humans. And a lot of people think that cats and dogs age at seven years of their life per one year of human life. And that's not actually true. Generally speaking, indoor cats live to be 13 to 15 years old. But if they have access to outdoors, they typically only live about seven years. And the more time a cat is outdoors, the shorter its lifespan. Now dogs, their average life expectancy is going to be anywhere from 8 to 15 years, depending upon the breed. And the smaller breeds usually live longer than the larger breeds do. But neutering and spaying can add one to three years to the lifetime. Experts say your average one-year-old cat or dog is the equivalent of a 15-year-old human in age. Cats, though, will age a little differently than dogs do. By the time a cat is age five, that cat is the equivalent of a 35-year-old human. A 10-year-old cat is the equivalent of a 56-year-old human. And a 20-year-old cat is the equivalent of a 96-year-old. For dogs, we look at it a little differently. We take into consideration the average lifespan of the breed, and then we use a calculation in connection with human life expectancy. So for example, a human 
the average life expectancy is 79 years. So we take that number and we divide it by the average lifespan of the breed. So if you have a five-year-old dog with a 12-year life expectancy, we take 79 and we divide that by 12 and we get 6.6. And then we multiply that by the number of human years, which is five. So the dog is really the equivalent of a 33-year-old human. So what exactly is pet insurance? It's, it's, it's health insurance, but it could also be life insurance. It could also be pet injury coverage. When a health insurance policy is issued for a pet, the policy will list covered treatments and services, and it will specify levels of coverage, deductibles, co-payments, and policy maximums. If a life insurance pet policy is issued, it will ensure end of life costs, such as burial and cremation, and sometimes it'll even include bereavement counseling. Pet injury coverage, when it's issued, will often be issued as an endorsement on an auto policy for injuries sustained in an accident. So with the medical coverage we see, we basically see three types of coverage. Your basic health coverage, comprehensive or well care protection. Basic is the least expensive and provides the lowest reimbursement percentages or amounts. It will ensure accidents, poisoning, and illnesses, such as cancer. Again, there'll be an annual deductible, a maximum amount paid per accident or illness, and then a policy cap per policy period. Comprehensive pet health insurance is a little more expensive, and it does provide higher reimbursement percentages and amounts. It ensures accidents, emergencies, illnesses, office visits, prescription drugs, diagnostic tests, x-rays, and lab fees. It will have the same deductibles and coverage limits, but they'll be lower. So the deductibles will be lower, the coverage limits and caps will be higher. Well care prevention is issued because the things that it provides coverage for are typically excluded in health insurance. So it provides coverage for preventive care, including things like vet exams, flea and heartworm prevention, and shots. Usually when you buy well care protection, no deductible will apply. Pet health insurance, again, works like human health insurance. So in addition to the coverage for accidents, illnesses, surgery, all those things, sometimes you'll see a waiting period before the pet can be insured. Sometimes a provider network will apply. So coverage is only provided if a vet or a provider is included in that network. There are exclusions as well, and they typically include preventive care, dental care that's not related to an accident, behavioral problems, breed-specific hereditary conditions, and elective procedures. And like human health insurance, there are pre-existing conditions exclusions in pet insurance, and they typically include hereditary and incurable conditions such as diabetes or cancer. Usually a vet exam or diagnosis is going to be required to determine whether a condition is covered. So here are some of the questions your customers will probably ask. And if they don't, they should ask, you should ask insurers issuing pet coverage. Can the policyholder choose any vet or do they have to choose from vets in a provider network? What is the policy deductible and what are the co-payments for different procedures and visits? Does the policy cover annual wellness exams? Is there a dollar limit for office visits? Are prescription drugs covered? What about spaying or neutering charges? Okay, are they covered either entirely or only partially? 
Does the policy have any renewable benefits? Is there a waiting period before coverage becomes effective once the policy has been purchased? Does the pet need a health exam to determine eligibility for coverage before it'll be issued? If a pet has a pre-existing condition or chronic condition, how is it covered or excluded? Does the plan cover advertising costs and rewards if a pet is lost or stolen? How long does the insurance company take to pay claims? And does the plan cover end-of-life benefits? There's a few other things that you want to keep in mind when it comes to pet insurance. There are some national discount plans that offer veterinary service discounts for a monthly fee. Vets have to participate in the network for the discount to apply. Some vet offices will also offer their own wellness plans for treatment not covered by pet insurance. So you may be able to buy one of those plans directly from the vet rather than from an insurance company. And pharmacies often offer discounted prescription drug pricing. And this is just regular human pharmacy. There are your online pet pharmacies. But for example, I have a dog who has a regular monthly prescription and and I get it directly from my own pharmacy and we do have a discount. You'll also see that some homeowner policies will provide limited coverage via an endorsement. Now, the other thing you want to follow is NAIC has got a working group handling and working on some model regulation for pet insurance. In most states, you need to have a property and casualty insurance license to sell pet insurance. A couple states are looking to have pet insurance be considered inland marine coverage rather than property and casualty insurance. And I find all this kind of odd or ironic because it's health insurance. You know, PNC agents don't usually understand health insurance. Life and health agents do. So you're going to want to check with your state to see how it's regulated. But like I said, most states, they require a license, require a PNC license. So the NEIC is coming up with model legislation so there can be some uniformity when it comes to pet insurance. So that's all I have on that topic right now. Let's do our weekly Q&A. Each episode, I answer questions submitted by listeners. This week's question is from Alyssa, who asks, Linda, I keep hearing about Medicare open enrollment just started. What's that all about? I thought I was automatically enrolled in Medicare on my 65th birthday. You know, Alyssa, that's a good question. A lot of people do think they're automatically enrolled in Medicare, especially if they're already receiving Social Security retirement benefits. But Most people are not automatically enrolled. Most people have to enroll themselves. If you have certain medical conditions and you're collecting disability benefits from Social Security, you'll be automatically enrolled, but otherwise you're not. So the vast majority of people have to enroll themselves. And basically, when you want to enroll in Medicare, your initial enrollment period revolves around your birthday. So if you're going to turn 65 on December 5th, your your own enrollment period starts three months before December and ends three months after December. And that's the best time for you to enroll. But again, you have to go online to medicare.gov and click a link that'll take you to the Social Security Administration and you can enroll there or you can go to your Social Security Administration office. But the open enrollment that everyone's talking about now because it's October is the time when someone can enroll in Medicare if they did not already enroll in their initial enrollment period that revolves around their birthday. It's also a point in time where people who, if they're in a plan, 
can change the plan because the Medicare coverages usually run from January to December. So if somebody is unhappy with a plan or maybe a drug formulary or something about the plan changed and they're not happy with it, they can switch during open enrollment. So hope that answers your question, Alyssa. You can go to medicare.gov to have those questions answered. I also teach Medicare webinars. So if anybody's interested, again, go to my website at lindamchenry.com and you can inquire about when I'm teaching those classes. My website also contains information about this podcast and my other podcast, The Writer's Voice, and you can learn about my books there as well. Remember, Clueless is a dangerous place to be. Tune in next time as we investigate more insurance mysteries together. Mm-hmm.